And we're back with another episode of Marty's Illegal Stick. Uh, we took last week off because we uh, decided to take a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. We hope your Thanksgiving was great. But we're back and ready to go this week. So I don't want to get too much into small talk because we got a big guest coming on today. And I don't want to keep them waiting. So I want to bring in our co-host real quick, Leo Kinville. How you doing? Oh, top shelf, Scott. Top shelf. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. All right. So, like I said, I don't want to waste too much time with small talk here, so I'm going to go right for it. I'm going to read off some of his achievements first, and then I'm going to bring him in because this is just incredible. So, this gentleman became head coach of the Utica College Pioneers men's hockey team in 2000. Since that time, he's had 17 consecutive playoff appearances from 2003 to 2020. Between the ECAC West and UCHC, he's had seven regular season championships, two UCHC conference championships. Ten consecutive winning seasons, one trip to the NCAA Frozen Four. He's had 20 or more wins for the past three seasons, and he has an overall record of 290 wins to 169 losses with 47 ties. I am talking about Coach Gary Heenan. How are you, Coach? Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. Uh, We really appreciate you coming on. This is really, really great. So, did you have a good holiday? Yeah, terrific. You know, just uh, just the immediate family, which is kind of nice. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes those smaller smaller gatherings are, are better. We found that yeah. out too. It's uh, no offense to you know having bigger family gatherings and all that, but you know we had a lot of turkey left over, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy that for sure. Exactly. <laughs> so listen, I just want to give our, our listeners a quick background here. So before you came uh, coach at Utica College, you actually played your college hockey at Hamilton College, correct? Yes, I did under uh, legendary coach Phil Grady. Yep. Excellent. And you were there from uh, '94 to 1997. I understand you were pretty good, too. It seems like you were all-conference for a few years there, huh? Uh, I had a really good D partner, so I just kind of gave him the puck <laughs> and let him go. Yeah, That's okay. Whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just listed off all your achievements, which are absolutely incredible. But, you know, last season could arguably have been your best season yet. Uh, I just want to read this off real quick. You guys had 25 wins, which included a 20-game win streak. You were ranked third in the UC- or USCHO. You were USCHO Coach of the Year, and you were top seed in the NCAA tourney until, of course, it got canceled because of the pandemic. So, Coach, what's the uh, current status? What's going on? Yeah, we are, uh, you know, we were incredibly disappointed last year. We were having our, our best season to date, and to rattle off 20, 20 wins at any level in the game of hockey, is it just doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, when they announced that we were done in the quarterfinals in the NCAA tournament, uh, we just had that feeling in the locker room where you just feel un- you can't can't get beat, you know, that oh, you're yeah. never gonna lose. And uh the mojo was was just a, a feeling we've never had here. And so uh it really felt for the guys, uh felt for our fans, our community, our college, uh set to host that game and it and it came to a halt. And we did return quite a class. We did graduate uh, all American defenseman Danny Fritz. Um but uh you know, outside of that, we, we, we returned a huge, some huge pieces of the puzzle and then and like the small class that we brought in. Awesome. We were practicing for some time here, and, uh, you know, eventually the school had, had, had decided that let's send the boys home. Um, and uh, we hope to regroup in January and hopefully start playing some hockey games. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's great that we got most of our returning players coming back, but, you know, you really feel for the seniors that, you know, you had that all that momentum going in, and now it's, it's all done. It's it's terrible. We had, we had won, uh, I think, our third straight conference championship with those guys and um, regular season championships. So, 
they really wanted it. I mean, uh, you know, it's been a while since we got to that frozen four, 2013 and, um, to get that close and then out of it, nothing you could control, you know, you find right. if you lose a hockey game and it's your fault. Um, but, uh, to get told that, uh, that it's done right before this huge thing hit, uh, you know, it was, uh, it's disheartening. No question for the seniors. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you were saying we're hopefully going to be getting going in January. Any word yet as to uh, any definites or. Well, what we love is our school is, uh, our school and conference, uh, remains one of just a handful, uh, that, that hasn't announced the cancellation. So I, I think the whole Northeast um, has canceled all all the league play, right? Uh, and leaving it up to individual institutions if they want to have uh, non conference play, which, from my understanding, is very very few schools are even willing to do that. But our league has held strong. I think we have the benefit of of being uh, mostly Pennsylvania. Um, you know that they tend to be a little more liberal right now with with this thing with youth hockey still going in that state. Um, so, you know, we're optimistic, uh, it is day to day. And I actually, um, uh, strangely enough, I think the presidents are, are on a call, uh, today at noon. Um, and at that time, uh, there may be decisions made, but, uh, there's, there's tons of options on the table. Um, and, and, uh, again, we're just optimistic just because they're like, Hey, you know, the kids are here. Let's try and give them the best student uh, experience they can. And, and that's playing hockey. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, the Division One's playing already. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure Division Three could figure out a way to do it, too. Um, so is there going to be like I would, I would imagine there's going to be testing protocols when you guys do come back? Yeah, the NCA mandates that. So um, we would have to test three times a week uh, at Utica College. We were already testing two days a week, gearing up for for the start of the season. Um, and, and a third would start your game day week. So uh, we're ready to go with that. We're committed to that. There's no issues here. Um, that that comes with quite a cost. Well, I'm sure. Uh, you know, if you're looking at uh, $25 a test, uh, one of those tests has to be a, uh, um, an engine test. So uh, you're looking at $100 per athlete per week. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, in some schools, I think that's that that might get in the way. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see, similar to like the East Coast Hockey League right now, where each week you're seeing another couple drop out. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if we do have some teams step back. Well, you know, and I'm sure the players are, are totally on board with staying, you know, like within amongst themselves and not, you know, making themselves at risk too, which is, I'm sure, a great thing. But, um, you know, those, those tests – uh, they're they're not the rapid test either, are they? You said the antigen test, so it means it's got to be sent out, and, and the results have to come back. And yeah, you're right; it's it's quite a it's quite a cost. Uh, two are allowed to be rapid, and then the one has to be yeah, the much more thorough one. So uh, just figuring that out logistically for a lot of schools has has been challenging for for us here. Uh, the entire student body, staff, actor, we've been testing once a week uh, through this whole thing. So we've got our ducks in a row here at Utica College. And, uh, just hoping our league uh, follows suit. We're playing. That's a, that's excellent news. And I mean, hopefully. So, is there a scenario where you could do even like a, almost like an I don't want to say intramural, but if they decide not to go with an official conference schedule, could it be kind of a oh, I don't want to call it off the cuff, but is there other alternatives as far as that goes? Yeah, I, I think there's the possibility for some really unique scheduling uh, opportunities, and and that you know as you can see, Adrian, they're the only team playing a West Division three, and and they've played four Division one games to point to this point. Um, 
you know, as you know, the ECAC has, has been been just crushed with uh, with the Ivy Leagues dropping out alongside uh, RPI and Union, leaving just four teams remaining. Right there. Uh, yeah, and we're centrally located. So, you know, we'd love to, to have some discussion with, with those teams if our league falls apart. Uh, just to see. I mean, kids just want to play. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it, that would obviously be a fun experience for us to, to play at that level. And, um, you know, and, and then, you know, yes, there's New York teams. Would, would Hobart want to play non-conference? Would their administration let them skid more? Um, I think the Ivies and the Suniacs have been told a firm no. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly Elmira and Nazareth being just up the road, um, we, we'd be happy to play those guys in some kind of pseudo schedule. So you're spot on with that question. Well, that would be really cool too. I think it'd be a great experience for the, the kids, the fans, for everybody. Uh, so we were going to talk about some season tickets. Uh, so is how's that? How's all this affecting the, the season ticket holders as far as um, returning and all that? Yeah, so we we've we've had the luxury of of having three thousand season ticket holders here the last few years, and um, that's capped at that point. It's it's great affordable family entertainment, and and because of the demand, we we start selling for the year in advance, uh, somewhere in, in probably February, and uh, it was before again the pandemic hit. So we had already sold all those tickets for this year, and and you know it's a question I get asked in town uh, almost daily, which is a or you know are a are we going to play games? Followed up with what are we going to do with the season tickets if fans aren't allowed and. And, uh, and those decisions are, are again, they're kind of, it's fluid. It's, it, they are trying to be made right now. Uh, we are communicating with season ticket holders on, on updates here and there. Um, but certainly, you know, we'll, we'll honor those, those funds and, and, and push it to the year after fans aren't allowed this year. Um, but we, we cherish and love our season ticket holders and, uh, they have a great deal to do with our success here. Um, the, the fact that we pack our house and have an unbelievable building atmosphere is, is, is a huge reason why student-athletes choose to play hockey at Utica College. Well, it's got to be a, a great recruiting tool, I can imagine. Huge one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there a, a waiting list to get on for the season tickets? I mean, I know you said they're, they're capped at 3,000, and I'm sure there's more demand than, than room. Yeah, each year they do have a waiting list going, and um, – you know, when somebody it slips their mind, they, they end up not just getting their money and then we go to that. But uh, um, again, it's 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 been it's been pretty humbling to see the amount of people that are lining up for a ticket to uh, to a Division three hockey game that you see. So if they wanted to get on that waiting list, they could uh, just get a hold of the college. This is just for listeners out there that may want to to try to get. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually run right through the, the odd box office. OK, so they. They completely have the reins there. You would just call the odd box office, and and uh, they would set you up. Yeah, because I mean it's in, it's incredible with the support. I mean, you guys have been setting Division three attendance records all along, pretty much, right? I mean, for the past 15, 20 years, it's been you know overwhelming support, which is great. Take us through a, a typical day for a Utica College hockey player. Is it like is it a morning practice and then classes, or is it afterwards, or? Yeah, it's, uh, and that varies from school to school. But here at Utica College, the last few years, as we've grown as an institution, um, classes seem to be all over the place and becomes a real challenge um, to to get a class schedule in for your guys and not and, and miss and not miss a typical practice, which would be probably anywhere from two to six p.m. So we moved to mornings um, a couple of years ago, and 
you know, the guys are on the ice somewhere around probably 7.30. We're out of the rink by 9.30. That's when uh, when the American League team entered. They got a 10 a.m. practice uh, day. So so we slip right in there before the rink really gets going. Um, and the guys have, have come to, to enjoy that. The rest of the day is, is completely focused on, on their academic career. They can get a lift in in the gym anytime they want during the day. Um, and, and and who's kidding who? It keeps them honest at night when they got to get up uh, in the morning. Sure. To practice, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but that's been our niche, and uh, it seemed to have worked well for us the last few years. And that's that's fantastic too because I was look, I was doing a little research on this and your academics on your team has been fantastic as well. I, what was it a couple of years back? You had both the the valedictorian and the salutatorian of, the, of Utica College on your team, right? Yeah, we've uh, it's it's actually a huge pride point for us is we've had the last three salutatorians and two years ago uh, we had a valedictorian and we've had the highest male uh, sports GPA for for as long as I can remember. So. Kudos to the guys. We, we've got a good academic culture here. And, um, you know, I don't think we'll take a step back there anytime soon. Very good. Very good. So uh, just a couple other things I wanted to kind of touch on with you there. So uh, I was reading you guys, and I do remember this, you guys took a trip 2011 over to uh, Germany, Italy, and Austria. Is that correct to play a few exhibition games? Yeah, I think we've been there. We've we've definitely been there since there. We we were able to we're able to go by NCAA rules every three years. Um, so we've done that. Uh, we've probably been there four four times now. Okay. In, in the twenty years I've been here, um, and uh, just a just a heck of an opportunity to to get over. Usually around ten days. Um, we've hit all different uh, countries and different levels uh, across Europe. It is pro hockey. That's that's why you're only allowed to play every every three years. Uh, so the guys do, you know, they they take the cages off and, and we play a pro brand over there. And, and guys of 100 percent and gotten pro jobs um, by that playing experience over there. But you know, we've had boosters come, we've had pa- uh, parents come, we've had school administrators come. Um, it's uh, it's a real unique thing here that we're able to do because of, of generous uh, generous sponsors that. Uh, you're really looking at when you're bringing 30 guys over there, you know, you're looking at a hundred thousand dollar plus trip. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate. We've been able to do that. Like I said, it, uniformly for every three years. Well, that's gotta be a great experience for the kids too. I mean, that, and again, you know, another fantastic recruiting tool for, uh, for UK college, if they, you know, if the word gets out that you're doing that every few years, that's, that's gotta be something for you. Uh, another unusual circumstance you had a good unusual circumstance was you played the, uh, the frozen dome classic. That was about five years ago. That was again. It was it was nice for the crunch um, at the time. They they wanted to to fill an afternoon slot and and do it with 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 two teams that they could get just added gate revenue. And so they grabbed Oswego as a very good loyal following. They're second in attendance every year to us and and and, uh, and us. And that game's all we always play a home and home every year anyway. So to 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 play the. The matinee before the the American League game was was just awesome. We had over seven thousand people there, and uh, and it ended up, I believe, a four four tie. So it was a it was a great hockey game back and forth. I think we scored too late to tie that up, and um, and that'll be one of the guys. You know, we shared a locker room with the with the Utica Comets because it's just two football locker rooms there. Uh, Oswego shared it with, with the with the Syracuse Crunch and. And then we all stayed. We, we were lucky enough to be guests in, a, in one of the suites uh, up top and, and watch the American game, which was sold out, I think, at 33,000 or something like that. So 
uh, yeah, just another added opportunity for us that we loved. Uh, plus, so playing a, a hockey game in a dome must have been an ex- interesting experience in itself right there. Uh, you guys were going to be a part of the uh, the outdoor games that were playing up at Griffiths before everything got canceled too, weren't you? Yeah, and, and, and that, you know, that it was Utica's turn to host uh, them versus the Crunch. And, and, and again, it was going to be us and Oswego just because, you know, why, why, why tinker with something if it works? So sure. um, the plans for that is, is unbelievable. I don't, I don't think the public even got as far as to announcing what that was really going to be. Um, so I don't want to, you know, let the, let the cat out of the bag here, but uh, we, uh, we're excited. And I think you'll see that next year, you know, it's just the late a year. Um, the sponsorships were all in place. The, the stands coming in, you're looking at about a 15,000 seat arena that was going to be built on the runway of the airport. Um, just, just an unbelievable thing that's going to, that will happen. And, uh, and we're happy to be asked to be part of it. Yeah, because I mean, with the, the support for hockey in the area, there's no doubt you'd be able to attract the fans. So, uh, just real quick, um, are you a big analytics guy by chance? Um, I, I I have some flavor for the analytics. We we do it for our team. We we don't go overboard. We have about twelve categories that that we track pretty well. You know, I know some teams, you know, at the pro levels all the way down to college. Sometimes they go overboard with them. Other teams ignore them. So it was a it was a curious question I had for you. So one last question, and I'll let you go. Uh, how did the teddy bear toss get started? Yeah, it was uh, it was actually probably my my f- second year here. I was up in North Bay, Ontario, on a recruiting trip to see a kid named Josh Merson, and um, just just happy, you know, it was just circumstance. The game that I that I went to, they had a teddy bear toss, um, and, I, and it was a real unique thing back then. Um, in, in a rink that probably held four thousand, three four thousand, just like ours, and. And to see the event and that community really embraced it and did it right, um, I thought our rank and community would, would also do that. So at the time, uh, you know, I think we're in our 16th year of that event. Uh, 16 years ago, it was unique. I mean, you see it, you see it places nowadays pretty commonly, but back then, uh, we were the only ones really doing it in, in the states, and um, and and it's been just spectacular. It's our number one game. It's a sold out four thousand. Um, there's there's definitely five thousand stuffed animals that that get onto the ice, and uh, and our players love it. Our fans love it. Uh, certainly helps kids in need at, at this holiday season. And alongside New York Sash, they take care of all the logistics for us. So it's been just a great partnership, and and one of our best longest running uh, traditions. Well, it's just, it's fantastic what you guys do and what you do for the community at large. I mean, I've seen you guys out with the, you know, elementary schools and, and, and kids all the time. And coach, you're just, you're just running a fantastic program there. And we hope to see you guys back on the ice soon and best of luck in the future. And like I said, we really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Anytime. I look forward to updating you as, uh, as the season goes along. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, coach. We appreciate it. Coach Gary Heenan, everybody, the Utica College men's hockey team. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be coming back to Hockey Hot Takes. Back in a few. Need to find that gift for someone special? Visit Little Falls Presents at the Stone Mill and Canal Place. Stop by today to find unique artist work, T-shirts, coffee cups, gift towels, greeting cards, tote bags, koozies, and original oil paintings and prints. It's all about the art of the gift. For more information, visit mylittlefalls.com shop or call 315-508-5310 for details. And we're back with more Marty's Illegal Stick. 
that was a great conversation we just had. Uh, Coach Ian was just a fantastic guest, and I, I'm so looking forward to them getting their season started. We've got, got to have faith that they will. So for now, let's go to Hockey Hot Takes, and we got a few this week. News is starting to pick up a little bit in the world of hockey. Not as much as we'd like, of course, but it's starting to get there. And first things first, we're going to start with the ECHL, the East Coast Hockey League. That's uh, the league that's one step below the AHL. Um, our guest from last time, Rob Bauck, had mentioned ECHL when the, the Mohawk Valley Stars were here in the, the Utica Mohawks. Uh, they were playing in the ACHL, which is the forerunner of the ECHL. Same league, they just ended up changing the name, basically. So anyways, this year, because of the pandemic, the ECHL is going to be playing without their northern division. This northern division includes the Adirondack Thunder up in uh, Glens Falls. So a lot of what they're saying the problem was the where the teams are located in that northern division. They will not be able to have fans in the building at all. And they're saying with operating costs, it's just going to be they can't do it, which is a real shame. Um, however, former Utica Comet, Seamus Malone, has signed with the Indy Fuel of the ECHL. And the ECHL season is actually scheduled to start December 11th. If you remember the uh, ECHL, they, that's the... I remember very well because I used to go to a lot of their games back years ago. The Comets was actually with the ECHL at one time. How's the, how's it going to work with, without no fans though in in the, in the building? That that's got to be terrible. I mean, well, the, this stuff has got to get over. Well, the the <laughs> trouble is is you know teams leagues like the ECHL, AHL, even the NHL are so dependent on being able to sell tickets to get fans in the building to keep you know. I mean, it's not cheap to run a hockey team. You know, I mean, there's it's not so cheap much. for uh, season tickets either, but that's <laughs> well, that's why. <laughs> and and I have no problem with that. That's that we're going to find out what's going to happen there. You know, if it's not not this year, next year, they'll take care of it. I'm sure of that. They're right. really good about that. Rob Esch does a hell of a job, and uh, I, it's just I, I can't picture my Comets playing or my Rangers playing or your Kings uh, and. Not being able to be in the stands. Yeah. It's just, it's, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in pain over this. Yeah, I mean, they did what they had to do for the playoffs there with the bubble and, you know, and all that. But, yeah, it's it's going to come time here where all these these sports leagues, not just the NHL, but everybody's going to eventually have to start getting fans back in their, in their buildings because revenue-wise, it's going to be very difficult to sustain anything. But the ECHL is going to try to start December 11th. So good luck for them, and hopefully they'll be able to get it done. So the NWHL, which is the National Women's Hockey League, they are going to have a bubble season from January 23rd to February 5th. Now, this is going to be in Lake Placid at the Herb Brooks Arena, which where obviously the Miracle on Ice happened. <clears throat> so how this is going to work, the league has six teams. Each of those teams is going to play each other once to make up the regular season. Then they're going to have seeding, and then their semifinals are each going to be one game. And then the final to determine the winner of the Isabel Cup, I think is how they say it, which is the NWHL version of the Stanley Cup. That's going to be a one-game winner-take-all championship. I mean, it's only, what, two weeks that they're going to be playing, but, hey, at least it's something, right? Yeah, we've got people on the ice. And, you know, the, the thing with the NWHL, too, and I think this is where the NHL really drops the ball, uh, I think that the NHL should actually be doing more to promote this. Uh, women's hockey is getting bigger and bigger in this country, and, you know, honestly – the NHL is really missing out on an opportunity to help grow the game as far yes, as that goes. Yes. You know, you look at what the NBA did with the WNBA. Uh, they started that, I think it was 20, 25 years ago, and it's still going strong. So, come on, NHL, help out the ladies, and let's get this NWHL promoted. Like I was mentioning with uh, Coach Heenan, uh, NCAA Division One hockey has started already. 
Uh, they're about two weeks into their season. So between the ECHL starting, the NWHL playing in their bubble, hopefully we're going to see our Utica College Pioneers pretty soon. Hopefully we'll see the Comets pretty soon. Hang on, folks. Hockey is on the way. We've just got to be a little bit more patient and just have faith. <laughs> I was going to tell uh, the coach there, I can remember one, one game there last year as a season ticket holder to the Comets, uh, and the Comets weren't playing too well that week. I was a little upset with them. But uh, Rob Bauke, who he had on last week, gave me a couple of tickets to go to the Utica College game because he's a season ticket holder for the college. Never seen a Utica College game before because back when I went to Utica College, they didn't have a hockey team. But uh, I was so impressed. I could not believe the speed, the discipline especially, that yeah. that, that college has got unreal. He does a great job with them kids. He does. And I wanted to call him up and say, look, uh, could you uh, – Get the comments out of here and bring the pioneers in to play the rest of the season because our team stinks at that time. Of course, I probably lose my yeah. ticket, <laughs> ticket now for that. But hey, but, we uh, have no shot of ever getting any comments on. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> well, no, but that's that's. Uh, well, they they knew they were having troubles there, but uh, they they looked fantastic. I I was so impressed. Well, the thing is, it's year after year after year too. You know, I mean, some every once in a while you'll see programs that are like a flash in the pan. I'll have a you know two, three, four-year great run, and then they kind of go back to mediocrity. But coaching just keeps it going year after year. It's incredible. So, speaking of uh, leagues, a happy belated birthday to the NHL. On November 26th, the league turned 103 years old. That's right. Good to say 103. I was right. That's right. And the original teams were the Montreal Canadiens, the Montreal Wanderers, the Ottawa Senators, the Toronto Arenas, and the Quebec Bulldogs. So a little trivia for you there. The NHL started with five teams. And that's not the same Ottawa Senators that we know now. So the original Ottawa Senators folded sometime in the 30s, and they were brought back as an expansion team in uh, 1993. Kind of interesting to know how Montreal had two NHL teams. Some people out there may be wondering why. Well, the answer is very simple. Montreal is kind of a divided city. You have your French-speaking population, and you have your English-speaking population. And it it really, I guess... From what I'm told, it's almost like two countries in one city. The French population had the Montreal Canadiens, les habitants, to uh, back, and they had to have a team for the English-speaking population who became the Montreal Wanderers. Okay. So the Wanderers didn't last, but the, the Canadiens did. So go figure. And we just mentioned the Toronto Arenas. So once again, speaking of Toronto, on a sad note, Wayne Gretzky's restaurant there has closed down after 27 years in operation uh, listener Kevin or McKinney sent us a couple pictures of the restaurant, and they are going to be on our Facebook page, which you can check out at Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. Thank you very much, Kevin. Why? Why? Why is it closed down? Or so COVID? Well, had, no, no, it wasn't COVID. It wasn't certainly from lack of business. It was a very popular restaurant. Um, apparently, they're doing you know I don't want to say urban renewal, but they're tearing down that whole block, I guess, oh. where the the restaurant's located to put high rise condos in. Wow. So in other words, a money grab. But um, mm-hmm. and I, for whatever reason, I don't know the, the quite the details on that. But uh, I guess they decided that they're not going to relocate the restaurant. They just close it down. And I have a question for you. Okay, did you ever eat there? No, I did not. Okay, I okay. have to admit, I've been to Toronto and we did not get there. <laughs> um, of course, we were there for one night, and that night was kind of a, a blur. Uh, <laughs> we were we were a lot of blue light. I think it. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Uh, yeah, we were, we were lucky to be able to make it back across the border, let alone get to a restaurant. But 
Uh, no, I do. At some point in my life, I do intend to get back to Toronto. Uh, well, desperately want to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame again, but it's a shame I didn't make it back in time to eat at Gretzky's. Uh, so that's kind of a legendary restaurant in uh, Toronto hockey lore, but mm. it's too bad that it's gone. So to close out Hockey Hot Takes, we're going to do our website of the week. Uh, this week, our website of the week is www.usco.com. That's usco.com. This is the go-to source for all things NCAA hockey and is a great way to keep track of our Utica College pioneers. So if you get a chance, check it out because there's all kinds of info from Division I, Division II, Division Three, men's, women's hockey, doesn't matter. It's all there. Roster, schedule, stats, whatever you want to know. So that's our website of the week. And that's it for Hockey Hot Takes. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hop on our Zamboni time machine and go back in time again. We'll be back in a few. You're listening to Classic Country Hits on My Little Falls Radio. Your source for news, weather and sports in Little Falls, New York. Need to find that gift for someone special? Visit Little Falls Presence at the Stone Mill and Canal Place. Stop by today to find unique artist work, t-shirts, coffee cups, gift towels, greeting cards, tote bags, koozies, and original oil paintings and prints. It's all about the art of the gift. For more information, visit mylittlefalls.com shop or call 315-508-5310 for details. And we're back for segment three of Marty's Illegal Stick, and we're going to get in our hockey time machine and go back in time. That's right. We're going to get on our Zamboni DeLorean, and we're going to go back to the spring of 1988 in the playoffs for the 1987-88 season. You know, most people think of Wayne Gretzky's last cup with the Edmonton Oilers when they think of the 87-88 season, but there was so much more than that. For instance, the hapless New Jersey Devils finally made the playoffs for the first time, edging out the Rangers for the last playoff spot on the last day of the regular season. (laughs) Yes, you're a Ranger fan, I know. Led by Sean Berg, the Devils would go on a Cinderella run, making it all the way to Game 7 of the Prince of Wales, today's Eastern Conference Final, before falling to the Boston Bruins. After Game 3 of this series, Devils coach Jim Schoenfeld had a physical confrontation with referee Don Koharski, in which Schoenfeld called Koharski a fat pig and told him to go eat another donut. The NHL suspended Schoenfeld for Game 4, but the Devils got a court injunction against the suspension. In response, the NHL refs and linesmen boycotted Game 4, forcing the NHL to use amateur on-ice officials for the game. Schoenfeld would end up serving the suspension for Game 5. Could you imagine if he had done that nowadays? Oh, I, I, I agree with him. Koharski, I didn't like him either. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't care much for the Rangers, uh, of course. Well... That's a different story. <laughs> it's a whole new story, but well, but I agree with Schoenfeld. <laughs> so speaking of Boston, they would finally exercise a demon in the spring of 88 when they beat the Montreal Canadiens in the semifinals. It was the first time in 44 seasons that the Bruins beat the Canadiens in a playoff series. Over in the Campbell Conference, today's Western Conference, the Edmonton Oilers were not in their usual number one playoff seed. That honor went to the arch rivals, the Calgary Flames, who overtook the Oilers by winning the President's Trophy as the league's best regular season team. It didn't matter to the Oilers, though, as they would cut through the Campbell Conference like a hot knife through butter, including a four-games-to-none sweep of the Flames in the semifinals. The Oilers would meet an old friend in the Stanley Cup Final when they met the Boston Bruins. Starting goalie Andy Moog was traded to the Bruins by the Oilers two months before at the start of the series. Moog was a part of the, all three of Edmonton's previous Cups, but wasn't getting any playing time as Grant Fuhrer played an incredible 75 out of 80 regular season games for the Oilers that season. Game four in Boston was a harbinger of things to come for the Bruins, 
Already down in the series, three games to none, the spring heat in Beantown plus the antiquated air conditioning at the Boston Garden would combine to form a layer of fog over the ice during the game. During the second period, a transformer explosion would cause the lights to go out and force the league to move game four to Edmonton. There, the Oilers finished off the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup. This will be Wayne Gretzky's last game as an Edmonton Oilers. He would be traded to the Los Angeles Kings that summer and forever change hockey history. That was an incredible season, actually. It's kind of one of the underrated seasons of all time, if you ask me. Um, And actually, that season, too, Mario Lemieux overtook Wayne Gretzky for the scoring title. Yeah, but I also like uh, the idea that it didn't beat Boston. I don't like them either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that was our little trip back in time to the 1987-88 season. We'll have another one for you next week. I think that's about all for Marty's Illegal Stick this week. If you get a chance, check out our Facebook page at Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. If you want to email us, we're at Marty's Illegal Stick at gmail.com. For My Little Falls, for Leo Kimball, I'm Scott Kimball. We're signing off. We'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody.